Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning. As we gather here, we continue our Easter series called Hope, where we are exploring hope. What it means to live in the hope that we have in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. As we gather this morning and we celebrate this hope that we have in our risen Savior, let's start with a question. The question is this, what's an important event in your life that happened around a meal? Think about that, food. Food is so important. And how many times do we gather around with folks and we have a meal and sometimes it's an important event? I mean, maybe, maybe it was Easter just two weeks ago. You gathered with family and you celebrated Easter, an important event, an important family celebration. Or maybe it was a birthday or an anniversary. I know a couple that is celebrating their 50th anniversary this week. And, or, you know, some other special event, that special moment that you gather there and that special meal that was part of your life. Now, one of the special meals that I remember, an important life event, was over 27 years ago. And it was in Portland, Oregon. And I had this young lady that I was courting, dating, hoping that the relationship would go somewhere. And it, well, it was. It was actually going quite well. But we went on our first date. And, you know, later on, I married that young lady. And Carlene and I got married. But I remember our first date. I remember it, was, it was an important life event because that's kind of when we really established that we weren't just friends. You know, that there was a relationship. And that relationship was going to develop. It was all really around that, that mill. And then, you know, about two years later, we had another special event with a lot of food. It was our wedding day. It was a reception. And I didn't get to eat anything but a little bit of cake because everybody wanted to come up and say, congratulations, you take care of her now. And I'm like, oh, I'm so hungry and I just want to eat. I'm glad to be married, but there's food. And I didn't get any food. You know, life's important events often happen around a meal. And that's exactly what we see happen here in today's scripture. That this important moment in the life of Peter happens around food, around a meal with Jesus. Now, as we do this, you know, we talk about last week, we, we looked at Thomas when Jesus came a second time and revealed himself to his disciples. And we know that we often call Thomas, what do we call him? Downing Thomas, right? And we said, you know, that's not in Scripture anywhere. So that's just what the Bible translators and history kind of placed on Thomas. He was a doubter. And we said, you know, your doubts don't define you. The risen Savior does. Well, today we're going to take a look at Peter. And, and, and Peter, Peter, who was kind of defining himself, I think, by his failures. Now, let's talk about this really quick, kind of back up from the text you know, it was one of the saddest moments in the whole Easter story. Jesus had been arrested, you know, betrayed by Judas. He was arrested. Now he was on trial, and Peter is following at a distance. And then, you know, what does Peter do three times? Three times he denies that he knows Jesus. Now, remember that before this, Jesus and his friends, the disciples, including Peter, were in the upper room, and they were celebrating a meal. It's part of the meal we're going to celebrate today, the Lord's Supper. And again, an important event around this meal. And then Peter says to Jesus, I will never deny you. Sorry, deny you. You know, I would die for you. And Jesus even says, Peter, before the 
crows three times. I really can't talk. He crows three times. You will deny me. And Peter's like, eh, no way. And of course, what happens? The high priest's servant girl sees Peter, probably hears him talking a little bit, and, and, and figures, hey, he's got that kind of um, Galilean slang. We can hear it in his voice. She's like, you, you're one of his followers. He's like, no, not me, not me, not at all. Again, you know, she goes to the crowd of people there. He goes, he, he's one of the followers. He's one of his disciples. And Peter denies it again. And then the crowd around again, they hear Peter. They even say, you know, they can hear it in his twang, his voice, his dialect. You too are one of his followers. And then he calls a curse on himself. You know, God curse me, God damn me if I was one of his followers, if I'm lying to you right now. And then Luke's gospel is powerful. As it tells us, you know, the cock crows, and then he and Jesus lock eyes. There, at that moment of failure, he locks eyes with Jesus. That moment where Peter was stressed to the breaking point, and he denies Jesus. And there, you know, we, we don't have those exact words, but we get the, the sense that, that Peter from that moment was, he was sulking, he was lonely, he was dejected, and he was defining himself by his failures. Have you ever felt like a complete failure? Have you ever defined yourself by your failures? Now, if you're not, you know, at least in your head, shaking your head yes, I can tell you I have done that before. I have failed many times, and it is so easy to define myself by my failures. Whether I failed as a pastor, or I failed as a father, or I failed as a husband or a friend. You know, when I fail, it's easier for me to define myself by what I have failed to do. I have failed to follow God. I have failed him because I've sinned. I failed to be the best husband I can. I failed again and again. And it's so easy for us to define ourselves by the times we have failed God and failed others, even maybe failed our own perception of who we should be. And that's exactly where we find Peter. Peter who is wallowing in his failures. Peter, and maybe like us, we had the best intentions, the best plans, but we didn't measure up to those intentions. Sometimes life circumstances, sometimes the stress, sometimes our anger, our lust, our own desires get the best of us, and we fail. We fail, and, and this is again where we find Peter. Let's go back now to our text. You know, Jesus had risen from the dead. He showed himself to his disciples twice. First time, no Thomas. Second time, Thomas. Now a third time. But Peter is kind of going back to what he knows. He and the other disciples, many of them were fishermen. So they're out fishing all night long. They haven't caught anything. There's this guy they can see on the beach there on the shore, you know, with a little fire going. He yells out, hey, did you catch anything? They're like, yeah, fish aren't biting. And then this guy says to them, well, let your net down on the other side. You know, why they do it, I don't know. But when they do it and they catch this big boatload of fish, it kind of dawns on them, especially Peter, it's the Lord. He jumps into the water, you know, and he swims up to the shore. And there's Jesus with a meal, some fish to eat for breakfast. And then let's read this text together. John 21, 15, we read. And they had eaten breakfast 
Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than the other disciples do? I mean, in some ways, it seems like Jesus could be kind of picking at Peter, right? I mean, Simon, you said you love me. Simon, you said you would never deny me. You would never leave me. You would die for me. Simon, do you really love me? But that's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is not defining Peter by his failures. But our risen Savior, our victorious Savior, is defining him by his love and his grace. Three times, Jesus asked Peter the question, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, I love you. Now, what we don't capture in the Greek is that in the Greek language, there's a number of different words for love, and there are two words that are used for love here. The word that Jesus is using as he asked Peter that first time, do you love me, is the word agape. And you may be familiar with the word agape. Agape is that unconditional love. It is love with no restrictions. It's the kind of love that we say God has for us. We say God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A love that brought our God, the creator of the universe, into humanity, in human flesh, so that he could suffer and die and rise for us. Peter you love me? And Peter responds with the Greek word phileo, which means a brotherly love. So Lord, you know, you know that I love you. I love you like a brother, like a friend. And of course, Jesus says, you know, feed my sheep. And then he asks the question again, do you love me? Do you agape love me? And Peter says, Lord, I love you. I phileo love you. I love you like a brother, like a friend. And again, you know, he says, you know, tend to my sheep. And then he asks a third time, and, and it says, you know, Peter, Peter is, is, again, he's judging himself by his own failures. Peter, do you love me? But this time Jesus changes his words. This time he says, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a friend, like a brother? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. So we have this idea, and sometimes even in our Bible translations, kind of like Thomas, you know, we say doubting Thomas, that sometimes we talk about Peter being restored. And, and if that title is correct, it's only correct in that it was in Peter's mindset. Because Peter was defining himself again by his failures. So he might have thought that Jesus was restoring him, was saying, you're back on the team again. But Jesus never said, Peter, you're not on the team. And Jesus never says to us, because of your failures and your sins, you're not on my team. In fact, we as we gather here, that's part of what we talked about on Friday and Saturday. It's part of our strategic envisioning process, our team, is that you know, we are a group of people that gather here who are failures. We are sinners. We've rebelled against God. We've hurt our relationship with God, and we've hurt one another. But God does not judge us by our failures, but by his grace and forgiveness. He does not define us by our failures. And see, this is an important truth for us to understand. Failure does not define you. The victorious Savior does. It doesn't matter whether that failure was a year ago, a week ago, or even an hour ago. It doesn't matter whether that failure is something that you have failed again and again, whether you and God alone know or whether many others know. Failure does not define you. The victorious Savior does. The victorious Savior defines you in his grace and his love. The victorious Savior who is victorious over sin, death, and the grave. Who is victorious over our failures. 
And see, Peter understood this. And later in his letter to the Christians in Asia Minor, he writes these words. And let's read these words together. Christ suffered for our sins once. He was an innocent person, but he suffered for guilty people so that he could bring you to God. Now, guilty here is not guilty as in like, I feel guilty because I failed God, but guilty as in like a court term. We are guilty for our failures and our sins. But the one who was innocent died on the cross for us that we might be brought to God. That our failures do not define us, but the victorious Savior does. Now, John Newton, and you may know the story of John Newton. We sang a revised version of that song that he wrote, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. John Newton was a former slave trader turned Christian minister. He was one that truly understood what it was like to have failures in his life, sin in his life. And near the end of his life, he said these words. Listen to these words that he says. Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Failure does not define you. The victorious Savior does. No matter what we have done, God is always ready to forgive and to restore our relationship with him and Jesus. So here's the challenge for us as we go forward into this new week. What failures do you need to leave with Jesus? We all have those failures, and some of us right now, we know what those failures are. And in just a few moments, we're going to confess our sins, and that's the opportunity to bring those failures, those sins, and to leave them with Jesus. Don't hold on to them. Don't let them define you. Be defined by the victorious Savior, by his grace and love for you. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your grace and love for us in Jesus. We thank you that you are our risen Savior, Jesus, and that we are not defined by our failures, but by you, our victorious Savior, and all that you do and have done for us, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.